We begin with a simple meditation, allowing your body to relax and enjoy the conversation which is to come. Sit comfortably and when you are able to, close your eyes. Place your attention on your breath as you inhale and exhale through your nose. With each inhale, drive your breath into your belly, allowing it to expand. And as you exhale, allow the breath to exit with a gentle sigh. One more deep breath in, into your belly. And a gentle exhale as you sigh. And again, a deep inhale into your belly, allowing for a full exhale as you sigh. As you bring your breath to a regular calm pace, inhaling and exhaling through your nose, allow for a wave of relaxation to wash over your body. Finding any areas that may be holding tension. Begin scanning at the top of your head, noticing your brow, your jaw, releasing any tension. Scan your neck, your shoulders, lifting your shoulders up to your ears and allowing them to drop. And again, lifting the shoulders up to the ears and allowing them to drop. Feeling the weight of the world rolling off. As you continue to relax, allow your chest and your upper back to release as you become aware of the beating of your heart in your chest. You may gently place your fingertips on your sternum, feeling the beating of your heart. Chin to chest in gratitude. As you continue to relax, let any tension go from your belly and you may place one hand on your heart and one on your belly, connecting the vibration of these two centers through your hands. Release even further, feeling the weight of your body on your seat as you place your hands on your lap. Allow for this wave of relaxation to wash over your legs, puddling at your feet with any traces of tension disappearing into the ground. Continue to inhale and exhale through your nose, allowing yourself to relax even further Breathe for another three rounds of breath. And when you're ready, you may open your eyes. Hello, and welcome to the Live Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Paola Atlason, holistic health consultant and healthy lifestyle designer. 
During the podcast, I will be in conversation with renowned women in service to their community, sharing personal stories and the self-care rituals that keep us grounded. Let's begin. Hi, Beverly. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you because we we chat often and, and I'll reveal how and why in a minute, but we have Beverly Simpson here on the show today. So welcome everyone who's listening. Um, before we jump into the conversation, very quick announcement. I will be opening registration for July coaching in a couple of weeks. If you want to be the first in line, please sign up to my uh, wait list. You can, if you're on Instagram, link it, the link is in my bio, or you can go on my website and find it under offerings. Um, and that's all I have to announce today because I just want to jump into this conversation with this woman that has changed my life. Oh, you're so kind. (laughs) I just remember meeting you um, a few months ago. I did this amazing three-month deep dive into science, food science with Erin Murray, who you know and also love. And um, I met you, I think it was the last day, right? She brought you on to talk to us about the business of wellness coaching, because I feel that in every career or degree that I've been in or graduated from in a school, nobody ever talks to you about the business side of things. So you end up with a lot of knowledge, but you don't even know how to apply it. But what captivated me about you was your personality. You're, I love you. You're like, like a, like a, Firework. So who are you, Beverly? <laughs> I love that. I love, you know, it's funny that you say that because it's true. I do have this very intense energy about me where I'll just show up and I'll never come to you with 90%. You get a hundred percent of me a hundred percent of the time, really. And so some people describe talking to me as if, you know, trying to drink water from a fire hose because it's just a very intense, like, I'm going to give you everything I got in the next 30 seconds. <laughs> I also am just someone who likes to go deep fast. Like I am not the person that is like, Hey, how are you? What'd you have for breakfast? I'm like, Oh, what are your childhood dreams? (laughs) So nice to meet you. What are you healing right now? Um, So I'm Beverly Simpson. I'm the owner of B Simpson Fitness. And I actually have a background in, for those of you who don't know, in musical theater. So I live in New York and I'm from the California Bay Area. And I moved to New York to chase Broadway. And what was what's interesting about my story is that I had believed that my perfect job was on the other side of getting my perfect body. I kept thinking, I'm just, my voice doesn't match my body. My voice doesn't match my body. So that's what led me to, that's what led me to fitness. And what's interesting about, cause I kept, I just worked out so much. Cause I was like, I need to get this perfect body and then I'll get this perfect job. And what's interesting is that I joined it. I mean, clearly that was my next natural step is to join the gym and become a personal trainer. And I started to serve a client and I had this moment where I saw the client, you know, achieve their goals. And it was so fulfilling to me. I felt like, oh, I could help someone else. 
And so I had told myself this story of, oh, I'm leaving this narcissistic industry and Mm -hmm. I'm going to go into fitness and help people. And it wasn't until I had my two daughters, Gwendolyn and Abigail, where I recognized, oh, wherever you go, there you are. It didn't matter what industry I was going to, whether it was theater fitness. And I was the fastest growing personal trainer to assistant fitness manager to fitness manager, wherever I went, the same patterns were just coming up over and over. And it wasn't until I had my children that I recognized, oh, I had some serious inner work for me to do. And it didn't matter that I was building this, you know, this business or that I I left it wasn't the narcissistic industry. It was my narcissistic constant thoughts. So I started to work shift on that shift, doing work on that. And I left the gym, not because of any other reason, except that I just was commuting to, I I was commuting and I wanted to build my own dreams because you're either going to build someone else's or you're going to build your own. And neither are bad. It's not about bad or, you know, right or wrong. I just knew that my personality was going, was led to build my own dream. And so I left, started my own online business and I literally just did what I did in person and put it online. I love that. I love, I, I, I love a good personal story like that, where you start off in one completely um, unrelated industry or goal or dream, but then you actually apply a lot of what you learned during that that time because it totally makes sense that your personality is so open because you you can be on a stage you know singing to people you know so you can, you can almost like you can you you have this openness when you're you're working with people but i think that's great because it's it's so um Something that I've been very grateful of lately is have feeling that I have purpose. And that's something that I didn't feel I had for a very long time in my life. I remember being in my twenties and I was working with some coworkers. I had just started a new job. I was a web designer at that time. I've been many things in my life and I I'm, I'm very good at whatever I apply myself to do. But that doesn't mean that I loved it. But I was like, all right, it's a job phase. Well, I'm going to get really good at it. I'm going to be the best and I'll do it. And one of them asked me, so what, what's your passion? Like, what do you love doing? And I said, I don't have any. And I think I was maybe 22, three years old at the time. And the guy looked at me and he was like, that is the saddest thing I've ever heard because you're a young person. And I was like, I just don't. And I, I remember that feeling of being so deflated, but it, I'm sharing that because it connects to what you just said about it doesn't matter what environment you're in, the story is there, the shadow is there. And until you resolve that part of you and you give it the space to understand what it needs and and, and bring it to the light. So fast forwarding to now, finally feeling that I have purpose the last few years. It's like, it's a game changer because that the same way that that client sparked that in you, it was like, I'm going to help people, you know, and, mm-hmm. and figuring that out. So how did that unravel for you? What was it like when you started um, 
building your own, your own dream, your own business. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, you know, I'll also say too, that this is something I tell a lot of people, no matter where you are in your business or your life, or this applies, I think across the board, no matter what goals you're working on, whether it's health, wellness, whatever. I think that you have to love the process more than the outcome because you're going to spend more time in the work and the outcome and the goal, it always moves. Cause once you achieve it, it's like this fleeting moment of like, okay, I did it. And then there's going to be a new mountain to pick. Right. So for me, I feel like I've had operated so much time in my life being like, if I just, you know, we hear it a lot with our clients working on weight loss. You know, if I just weigh this number, I'll be this. If I just get to 10,000 a month, I'll be this. And then what I recognized also in myself is that I would hit this milestone and nothing would change or worse. I didn't feel any different. So it was so deflating, you know? So that's been a lot of the work as an entrepreneur. I think that, um, I think gets missed is that people will be like, I'm going to build my own dream with the hopes to have like an influx of cash and, and, or to have this influx of freedom, right? It depends on your values in terms of what you want in life. Um, for, and I'm laughing, not because it's bad. I, I want that too, but I think that we just look for the outcomes and we don't see the process. It's that like cliche all the time, you know, the iceberg is that people see the tip, not recognizing what's underneath the surface and how much effort it took to make it look easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's almost, you know, what the first thing I ask my clients is how do you want to feel? And tell me with big words, mm-hmm. the goals come after then and like two or three questions in, I'm like, so what are your goals for this program? But by that point, I've asked them, how do you want to feel? What would that lead to? And, and what's, what would that, what would happen after that? So when, you know, I, I feel that connects to what you're saying. If you think in a moment, big picture, sensation, feeling, how it feels to be, you already are setting yourself. It's, it's that, that essence of manifestation, right? Where uh, it, the opposite is actually goal setting in a way, because, you know, if, if you tell me, what do you want? I, I'm like, I want $25 million and I want three houses and I want, yeah, I may want that. <laughs> but then that means I'm not going to be satisfied until I achieve that. And what you're saying absolutely resonates with me, which is, it's the day to day. It's like, for me, it's talking to the person, asking them the question, building the nutrition plan, looking at the pictures, you know, asking them more. It's like, that is the, the, that's the purpose. That is, that's the fun part. You know, when I was a fashion designer, there's a connection there because I love the, the design process. I love putting the concept together and the boards and shopping and sourcing the materials, doing the drawings, presenting it. And then the stuff would come. And remember one of my bosses, it's like, your, your, your handbags arrived. You haven't opened the boxes. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll open them later. Like I didn't even want to look at the, thing, the final thing. Yeah. I just wanted to be coming up with more stuff, you know? It's so true. So good. And you know, you were asking me like, what has the process been like? You know, I think 
some of the biggest takeaways for me on this journey fulfill. And when I say journey, right, I feel like this resonates, this will resonate with your audience because they know you, right. Is that, you know, when you get in step into, I'm a firm believer that when you step into alignment and you fill your Dharma, which isn't always necessarily entrepreneur, right. That doesn't like, there is a role for you. What your alignment is, is going to be unique to you. So for me, as I was stepping into what I'm meant to do, it was, it, it led me to a whole bunch of, you know, inner development and personal development. Like one of my clients texted me one time on a weekend and said, Hey, I'm sorry to bother you on the weekend. And I said, that's okay. Every day is a weekend. So as I'm stepping into alignment, doing what it is that I love to do, which by the way, doesn't mean that I, you know, it's all sunshine and roses. Like there are things that will move the dial in my business that I might not necessarily want to do, but still get to do. Right. And I might not be like excited about doing it, but because uh, there's still work to be done. But but for the majority of my life, I have designed the life to be fulfilling 80% of the time. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important because one of the biggest roadblocks I see with, I'm I'm, I'm pretty much working with only women right now. I've had a few guys here and there, but it's 99.9% women. And one of the biggest roadblocks is that, that they have in, in feeling how they want to feel is that they are not leaving enough time in the day for themselves. You know, the day begins and immediately you're either on mom mode or work mode or wife or partner mode. Um, and then the, ra- the the day is a continuous, you know, hamster wheel of, of doing things that don't have to do with the self. And in parallel to what you just said, I have designed my life for the past, how long has it been since 2016 when I left fashion? My my ultimate how I want to feel every day is that is is how a vacation day would feel in the past. Like, oh, I'm on vacation, but I'm gonna take a couple of calls rather than I'm I'm working and then I'm finding time for myself. And for me, that looks like I spend a good amount of the morning with myself. I wake up before everybody else and I meditate. And I drink my water with lemon. Sometimes I go outside for a little walk. I come back home and then I'm on mom mode. And when I'm done with that, I work out and I take my time and I shower and then I start working. And and it's such it, it's done in such a way that you don't feel that pressure of always having to deliver or do, even though you are, because you've already carved out time for yourself in your day. Mm-hmm. 1000%. Right. I mean, I have a very, and you were starting to talk about this earlier a little bit is that me personally, I have a very masculine energy just in the sense that I'm a driver. I'm strategic. I'm very linear in how I show up in terms of my energetic stamp on the world. And I think that that is beneficial because for better or worse, we are set up as a society to live in a masculine energy. And I don't mean like gender or sex 
them here. I'm just talking about like the, the a driven, like you need to be, I, I'm, you need to be constantly reactive and strategic. That's what I mean. Right. As opposed to the feminine energy, which is very healing, fun, playful. Exactly. Yeah. The fun, playful, leaving room to be creative. And they both work synergistically together. It doesn't really matter which energy you have. I mean, in my opinion, which energy is more dominant, they work together and you need both. And what happens is that because we're in this living in this world of driving, 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 driving. It's so easy to ignore that side and think that it's not important when in reality it's the most important because that's what's going to fuel and keep you keep you alert and the most active and energized because at some point there's going to be a law of diminishing returns. We can't all be operating at 150% all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it brings me back to something. I mean, one of the many things you said that has expanded my brain. Like, I feel like sometimes you drop these little lines, either in our conversations or Instagram or your reels or, and I'm like, oh, whoa, like my brain just goes long. And you said something which I think relates to what you just described. And we spoke about this yesterday that if you pay more attention to your time than to your money, you'll have more of both. And I feel that that's a good um, comparison to what masculine and feminine would be in, in, in a way, right? Like money has masculine energy. It's like organized and a little rigid, you know, it can go to the shadow side of the masculine where we're too hyper-focused and ticking all the boxes or achieving, you know, hitting all the points. Mm-hmm. And time is essentially it's fluid time is meant to be bendable right time is supposed to be expandable and and you can make sense of time in in your own way but we're always focused on the financial now we should there should be positive energy to money which is a whole other conversation on how negative the the money oh my gosh one thousand percent yes right but can you elaborate that a little bit more because for for me personally that sentence which I think you, I, I captured it from you two, three weeks ago, literally changed how I structured my work. This whole, you know, I look at things quarterly or seasonally, and this season was very much about how can I maximize my time in a way that benefits me? And that will lead to better profitability without it being, I need more people to make this money. It's like, no, how, I can, how can I be more efficient and serve better and that would lead to maximum results i love that so so i'll share too you know that i'm just a firm believer and like you said the whole money conversation is a whole nother conversation that we could talk about forever right money is a tool and so is time and i'm a huge believer that money and time aren't have an inverse relationship. They're both resources that we need to have, and they have an inverse relationship. And for me, when I'm talking about business and I'm talking about, uh, you know, and we're also talking about health and wellness, to me, it's not a coincidence. When I hear things like somewhere between 77 to 80% of Americans are struggling with obesity at the same time, you've got 75% of Americans that are financially struggling. And to me, it's not a coincidence. Because there is so many different energetic correlations between those 
those beliefs and thoughts around money and food. I think it's just to me, I've, and in being in both fitness and business, I've just seen too many coincidences for it to be called a coincidence and more correlation, right. In terms of thoughts and belief beliefs. And so what happens in my opinion is that since time and money are resources that are, have an inverse relationship, when people tend to not have the tool of money, they tend to have more time. So they think of it as an abundant resource to give because they have more of it. Now, this is true if you're a stay-at-home mom, right? And you don't, you're not working and, and you, for whatever the reasons are, maybe you love being a stay-at-home mom, right? That's I'm, no judgment. I was a stay-at-home mom for a while and I hated it. And my hats are off to you. But, um, <laughs> um, but what happens is, is that when you have an abundant of what you think is abundant time, you give it away. It's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. But what I mean too, in that thought is that we think it's an abundant, not recognizing that time is the most valuable resource that we can have because you can't get it back. 9 a.m. Friday, June 11th, Eastern Standard Time is never going to exist again. And, you know, I was talking a little earlier about the diminishing returns, right? So we all get the same amount of 24 hours in a day in theory, right? You, it's a whole separate conversation if you want to start talking about like time is an illusion, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different separate, but like, let's just stay in the 3D for a little bit and talk about time as we know it, right? We all get the same 24 hours in a day. So have you ever asked yourself, what cause, you know, if we all get that same 24 hours, why is it that some people can use it more effectively and others struggle? Yeah. What is that difference? Right. And I feel like it is oftentimes the value, the value we place on time and knowing that it is not infinite and treating it as if it is, you know, and also people treat it as if it's promised to you. When we're not really, you know, we're not, and they spend so much time either in the past or in the anticipation of what's not here yet. And they end up, you know, losing the efficiency of right now, which is all we have anyway. Yes. Which is so interesting because children live in the present. Like when you try to wake a kid up to go to school in the morning, mm -hmm. that, I think that's the best example. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, we got to get up because we have this amount of time for you to get dressed and eat, but I want to sleep more. Mm -hmm. Well, but then we're going to run out of time. I'm like, I don't care. It's like, no, the bus is going to come. And they're like, but I don't want to get up, you know, or I don't want to put my shoes on or this and that. It's like, and then we, we, we have to transition from a, ch a child's perspective of time is infinite to them. You know, I remember a day felt like forever. Like summer break was like, it never ended, right? Mm -hmm. And somehow we transitioned from that to adulthood where we are supposed to have a better sense of time. But I don't think anybody really teaches us. We just kind of grab it from whoever is around us. And I think you're onto something with not only food and money, but it's like food, money, time and observing the relationship people have 
to all three. I often ask my clients, what's your relationship to money? And can you find parallels with that in, in how you're eating? And they're like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, say there's like the scarcity or like abundance or indulgence or saving or spent, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the same dynamic. So I think you need to like really do something with that. Absolutely. Right. And all, you know, there's two things that you said that I think is really important is that, you know, I love that you talk about children and the other people who do that or, or, you know, live forces are animals, children and animals live in the present. And the reason why it's important to not acknowledge that is because when I was an actor and we were studying, we were studying performance, they always used to say, don't put animals and children on the stage because they are magnetic and they will draw attention away. And the reason why is because they are a hundred percent present. And that is magnetic and what pulls people to you. Yes. I love that so much. And it's, it's almost like, I wish we could all hang on, hang on to that aspect. I mean, as, as also so many others from childhood, but that idea of um, being in the moment, seeing everything around you as if it's, it's never going to pass. You know, one, another big roadblock I see with a lot of women is that we are more scared of what we don't know. So like you were saying, thinking of, of what may or may not happen in the future um, than what's happening right now. And that blocks us, prevents us, or freezes us from making a change because it's also that there's also the inverse of, oh, I have infinite time. It's like, I have no time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't have time for that. I don't know that that's making, that's going to take all of my time. It's, it's such a distorted conversation. And I think we're in a place where it manifests most is in this area that we're in, you know, the coaching part where you're offering a service, you're in service of somebody teaching them. But if there's no payment, they don't take it seriously. They just don't show up. 1000%. The transformation is in the transaction. A thousand percent. And the tricky part and the nuance to this conversation is that, you know, when we're talking about time and money is that we need as business owners, we make decisions based on, on, or oftentimes this is one of the things that people do, which I think is something that holds them back is that they make a decision based on thinking from their client's wallet or, you know, you know, their client will say, oh, I can't afford that because it's easy to say that. But what they're really saying is that the asking investment is not worth the perceived value. And that's what's happening. Because if I said to you, buy this brand new iPhone and I'm going to throw this in for 20 and this being these um, AirPods that are the, um, the noise cancellation AirPods for $25 and you're going to get unlimited upgrades for $25. Or I said, Hey, can you buy the, you buy this awesome, sweaty, smelly black sock. That's never been washed. You only get one with a hole in it. And it's $25. Notice how the, the number is the same Mm -hmm. value is different and it's not for us to decide what that energetic transformation is going to or uh that energetic 
uh, transaction is going to be. We just have to trust that it's going to call the right people that are willing to put skin in the game and show up. And it's not about us. It's about them. Because when someone says, yes, I'm going to pay you to do this, they're showing up for themselves. And they're saying to themselves, I'm ready to make a change. And that's big. And I love that so much because also um, the responsibility that you have is to then understand your own value. What is the value of what I do? Going back to the time conversation, you know, I speak to people 30 minutes if it's a one-on-one, 40 minutes if it's a group. And for a long time, I know it should be an hour. And by the way, when you when you study, when you when you analyze the time you spend talking to somebody, you can say a lot in 30, 40 minutes, right? But you know, no, do I add more time? This is in the beginning. And and you're I was always connecting what I was charging to that time I was spending talking. And it's like no, what about all the other stuff that happens, the daily communication and the time I spent putting the program together and the research I had to do. And then I went to learn something. And people tend to value their hour, the hour they spend active. And it happens when I was in fashion. It happens when I was a graphic designer. You get paid by the hour, but you're actually not working just the time you're sitting at that desk. Mm-hmm. It's it's your whole day, right? So you would, would it, it's, and that's where, it, that's where I feel the conversations get so cloudy because also at least in this industry, it's so new that there are no, like when I was in fashion, I knew how to go up this, the, 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 what do you call? Oh my God, I even forgot. The ladder. I'm like the stairs. <laughs> and there were, there were standards, right? If you have this a certain amount of um, education and experience and you work in these places, you can go to this bracket and this bracket and this bracket. But in what we do, it, like you can find somebody offering a bunch of stuff for $100 and somebody else offering less stuff, but maybe a different thing for a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So there's nowhere to really decide is how do you, how do you recommend that somebody tally up their value, their time. Like what, what's like that? This is how you calculate your value. I love this question. So first of all, there's two things at play here to what you said. Okay. Number one is I equate the time thing to, um, the dentist. Like, let me give you a metaphor. Okay. Because really what we're asking ourselves is, you know, when we're determining our value. So there's three things, right? Number one, and this is a little bit count, uh, and I'll go back to the dentist. I promise I'll, I'll close that loop, but there's just something really important that I want to say, especially if I'm speaking to any business owners, is that you'll hear people say, charge your worth. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, your worth cannot be determined by your business. You are not your business. And I think of like the first time I held my daughter, I loved her because she existed And the same grace that I'm going to give her. I'm going to encourage you as a listener to give yourself because I didn't hold that baby and say, I'm going to love you when you, when you have a million dollar business. Okay. And all that baby did was eat poop and cry and sleep. That's 
Okay. And she was worthy. So I am very intentional with the words that I choose because you are worthy no matter what you do. And the second thing I'm going to say is back to the dentist, right? Is if I, I hate the dentist, by the way, you say the word and I'm like, oh my gosh, if my dentist said to me, listen, Beverly, I can give you a root canal in 10 minutes, but it's going to cost you $5,000. But I talked to another dentist who says, Beverly, I'm going to give you a root canal. It's going to take five hours, but it's only going to be $500 and $100 an hour. Which one do you think I'm going to choose? Yeah, exactly. Do I want the five-hour root canal or the 30-minute root canal? Mm, I'm going to take the 30-minute, right? And I don't care. I'll I'll give you 10,000, okay? (laughs) Um, so, you know, so that, so to me, so that's what I'm thinking about when I'm talking about, you know, the value is, and when I'm also speaking about the value, it's actually not time related. It's transformation related. We are living, whether it's good or bad, I think it's, it's brain-based. We, our brain is literally looking for the path of least resistance for everything in how we move, in how we eat, in how we live, in how we chase our goals. We are always looking for the path of least resistance, the fastest, easiest, newest revolutionary way. Those are brain-based triggers and it's never going away. So it's how do we navigate our lives around that so that we still have joy and that we, you know, can can, can make that work. So what that means in terms of business owners is someone is going to have a higher value in the transformation that you, that you can actually do what you say you can do. I love that. I love that you can deliver what you're promising, which is so sad that so many people abuse that because how many programs are there? Two weeks, lose 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. And photos of before and afters and and buy the thing and it's cheap and it's fast. Mm-hmm. And then, and you know, how many people have I worked with that have done Noom? How yeah. many people have I worked with that the beach body? How many people that do the prolon cleanse? How many people that do all these things that promise you something that is not attainable? Mm-hmm. Something that is not sustainable, right? But they abuse that because we like shiny things. Yes. Well, and we're looking for the fast, easy way. Nobody wants to have a five hour root canal, nobody. Right. But what the problem with that is that we become indoctrinated into believing that it has to be fast, quick, or it's not worth it. Like some, you know, or, or what happens is people think that now, listen, this is also brain-based change is going to occur on the other side of uncomfortable because your brain's trying to keep you safe. It doesn't matter. It's ego is there. It's been there since the dawn of time it's there to keep you safe but the problem is that uncomfortable is not the same as hard yes so what happens is that people think it has to be hard and if it's not hard it's not worth doing so if really they just stayed on track with the compounding effect of being consistent with their little habits instead of going oh that's too easy And they just did that, right? Or it's not working, but, you know, how do you know it's not working? You've done it for a week. 
people tend to not believe it. That is so simple, right? Like my approach is very simple. It's building I, another nugget of wisdom that you taught me was the the golf course, the holes. Like if each about that. Yes. The compounding effect, right? So, you know, the comp, which is that if I were to say to you, and this is true in business is that, you know, sometimes like, especially if we're in fitness and people are, are, you know, putting all this effort and energon cubes into, um, into like building a membership that's $27 and then they get 10 people and they think, oh my gosh, I just spent all this time and got 10 people wasn't worth it. That's when they quit. Or maybe they don't, they don't get the outcome that they wanted and that's when they quit, but they're, they're missing the fact that there is a compounding effect because you're either going to get the lesson that you need or the success that you want, period. And so they miss that there is a compounding effect. And this is true, whether you're working on health and fitness or business. And this is actually something that's talked about in the financial world, which is if I bought if I said, Hey, I'm going to give you a dollar for every golf hole that you do, but every hole you get to, I'm going to double down on it. So that means that you get a dollar for hole one, you get $2 for hole two, you get $4 for hole three, you get $8 for hole four. And then for hole five, you get 16. And then for six, you get 32 for seven, you get 64. And then for eight, this is when we're going to start getting into like 120 or 112, whatever that is math, but no, there's eight holes before it starts to reach this tipping a point. And then all of a sudden it's going to become thousands and your $1 becomes thousands of dollars, but it didn't happen at one to at hole two. But, but it was happening. That's it. That's it. That's the yeah. thing, right? It was happening. Yeah. Like, when I'm working with my clients, they send me photos of uh, their their body front side back and the face in form fitting workout clothes, so I can see what's happening, right? And every time they send the pictures, like I don't see, I don't see it. I feel great. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling fantastic. I'm sleeping. My energy is up. My skin is great. But I don't notice different than I go side by side. Yes. And then I zoom in, and I'm like, this is what I'm looking for. Because I'm not into rapid fat loss. That's not my gem. I'm not chasing skinny here. I'm chasing making you optimally healthy, releasing inflammation, getting rid of all the stuff you don't need in your body, make you feel great. And then you look fantastic and you, you will achieve your goals. But because it's a slower pace, but the second I put those side by sides every week, they're like, oh my God, I didn't even notice that because they're looking at the whole container. They're looking at the thousand the dollars as opposed to the one, two, four, eight, sixteen. Mm-hmm. And you bring up a great point. It's something that I do too. That effect. Um, and you bring up this great point that I think is is really important that we acknowledge it. Is that because it happens all the time, and it's not anyone's. It's not. It, it's it's just it happens all the time. Is that people are usually focused on the outcomes, right? How you look is an outcome of the internal work. So I talk a lot about how your environment is a reflection of what is going on inside. You want to know what your relationship is with money? Go look at your bank account. You want to know what your your relationship is with food? Then take a look at what you're eating and how you're eating it, right? Those are all outcome-based and people tend to try and make a change from the outcome level when the real work is on the inside, right? Oh my God. 
you know, and what, it, you know, I also want to bring up too, because I want to circle this loop, because I said there were two things that you mentioned, or I want to close this loop, because you said there were two things, there are two things at play, when we're discussing value is that, in addition to, you know, really measuring the transformation, and also asking yourself, what's the cost of not doing it? People miss that, right? They don't, they, they think, and it goes back to time. We think that time is abundant and that we're promised it, but we're not. If 2020 has, has taught us anything, it has taught us that we have only got now, right? And so what also happens, and it's just the way that our brain is designed, is that we automate 95% of what we do, right? So we take for granted the amount of money and time that we have put into our skill acquisition and or what comes naturally to us because we think it's not valuable. We take it for granted. But what is easy for you and what is easy for me is not easy for our clients, and so we tend to devalue what is easy to us and we can't see how valuable our dharma, our reason for being here, our purpose is. Yeah, your inherent and natural gift, you know, <laughs> whether it's being a good teacher or understanding food or understanding business or mm. painting a house or being the best street cleaner or the floor, whatever it is. Raising the next generation, right? So many people are quick to think that like, that's not valuable. And I'm putting that in quotes for those of you who are listening, but that's not valuable, but that's just an interpretation because raising the next generation is very valuable. Oh my God. I can't believe we're almost done because I could talk to you for, I think we're going to need a part three, part four, two, three, four. It's a compound effect conversation. <laughs> of course. Of because course. I could talk to you for, I, I told you the other day, I wish we were neighbors and I would be in your house all the time. <laughs> like, hey, can I come over? Just have coffee and be there for like five hours. I love it. So for now, for, for the sake of this conversation, because we are going to have more, what do you do to keep this energy that you have up? Because you are a mom and you are an entrepreneur and you're working with a bunch of people every day. And how do you keep up with yourself? I love that. Uh, so for me, I think that you know, most humans don't really understand how powerful human beings are and how powerful we can be. And it starts with personal power for me. I'm a firm believer in that, right? And we leak it all day long. Every time we get angry at someone like our kids or whatever, we leak it all day long. And so for me, it's really important that I wake up early and now not everyone has to, right? It, it doesn't, it just really depends on the schedule. There's no like miracle million dollar morning. It really depends on the person. But for me, I have to wake up before my kids and I have to put myself first and I have to set the intention for the day. So for me, I will wake up and I will do my gratitude because you can't be stressed or mad with at the same time as being grateful. And I am a firm believer that you can't ask for more if you're not grateful for what you already have. And we have to be it before we see it. 
So I wake up every morning and I'm grateful to have the morning. And then I'll do, so I'll do my gratitude. I'll do my meditation. And then I set my intention for the day. And this sometimes can be, and um, you know, your way you feel comes from a thought. So I'm always checking in with how I feel first. Like sometimes I'll wake up in a bad mood and wonder why. Right. So I'll have to clear that a little bit, but I'll always spend the time to just be grateful and then to set the intention for the day. And I know it sounds woo and weird, but that is how I can stay magnetic and present for my clients. And the P and, and for, you know, showing up on Instagram, because then I can, you can't give from an empty cup. So I've got to fill my own cup first. And then I will, uh, then I, then the kids wake up and we, and we go. And it really, the amount of time that I spend doing that depends. I, I will not miss it in two years. I have not missed a morning, whether it's either 10 minutes or an hour. I was just checking to see with what, how I feel and what I need. I love that. That is so beautiful. And I am so happy that I know you. I am <laughs> so grateful that our paths cross and that I'm working with you. You are my coach and you're helping me expand and build and share more. And I'm forever grateful. And if anybody wanted to see what you offer, how can they find you? So the best place to come hang out with me is on Instagram. I've got P, um, B Simpson fitness. You can find me really anywhere on any platform at B Simpson fitness and B Simpson fitness.com. And I also have, uh, I'm the host of the PT profit podcast. So you can come listen to my podcast and we'll have to have you on my show too, so that you can change the uh, professional's mindset. Thank you so much for <laughs> gifting me your time because Thank you are a gift. You are a gift. You're like a, a, a star in, in human form. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Yes, I love it. Thank you for listening. For nutrition, coaching, wellness offerings, and upcoming events, please visit my website, paolaatlason.live. And for daily musings and simple advice, you can find me on Instagram at paolaatlasonwellness. Sending love.